0: Or, like, we would like to know is what would you say are some prerequisites to
1: marriage counseling or, or inquiring about a brother or sister? <laughs> some of the prerequisites for marriage uh, I think uh, it goes number one for yourself. And then, of course, if you have children, and then of course, the person that you're going to marry, so prerequisites are in three categories: if there's children, two categories if there's only um there's no children as it relates to the prerequisites for yourself um, in terms of you being ready to be married, I think that it starts with you know your mental state you know are you ready to welcome someone else into your space you know Having a desire to have sex is not an indication that you're ready for marriage. That's just an indication that you're ready to have sex. It's just simple and plain. Being ready to be, you know, being being prepared to be married is starts with a mental, a mental process of me realizing that having someone else in my life is going to, you know, I have to shift some things around in my own life to welcome and to accommodate this person, to welcome this person into my life. If you, got, if you follow me, right? We, myself, um, Brother Hassan, we talked about this um, last week. That, you know, before you think about getting married, you have to, you know, there's three phrases. They're single, married, and unmarried. A single person is a person who's, you know, they, they don't really have to worry about anybody accommodating anybody. It's just about them and living their lives, living their best life. That's a single person. And that comes with a mentality of, you know, somewhat of a selfishness. Because you don't have to be responsible for anybody but you. Unmarried is a person who is single but has now started to make preparations to accommodate and welcome somebody else into their lives. There's no selfishness there because they realize that their time is no longer their time. They realize that their, the time that they spend with their friends is going to now somehow be shifted around or be cut short to some degree. You know, a person who is single goes into marriage, they still want to live a single life. They still want to do the same things that they used to do when they were single. A person who was unmarried, when they go into a marriage, they're already prepared for whatever, you know, shifts in their schedule and in their lifestyle. They're already prepared for that. So one of the greatest prerequisites to getting married is, you know, you preparing yourself mentally to be able to uh, welcome someone else into your life. The second thing is being in a healthy emotional state. If you are recently out of a relationship, then I don't think that you're ready to process being in a relationship with someone else because you still have emotions that have not been processed. Why did the marriage end? Why did the relationship get terminated? Why didn't the person do like this? Or why didn't the person do that? There's so many different questions. So much unprocessed, you know, emotions and information and this is where baggage comes in because when you don't process don't take the time out to process those emotions you take those emotions whether negative or positive with you into another relationship and every situation is different every situation is different so you know being in a healthy emotional state number three is the prerequisite to getting married is loving yourself if you don't love you how can you convince somebody else to love you you understand? Like, you cannot convince somebody, hey, love me, we're married, just love me. If the person looks at you and see, well, you don't love yourself. Why would I love you? Like, you know, there's that, a question. Would you marry you? <laughs> would, you w- would you marry you? Who you are right now in your life, would you marry you? <laughs> if you say no, then why in the hell would you expect somebody else to marry you? You understand? Like, I mean, real talk. So it's important that, you know, the prerequisite to getting married as it relates to yourself is the number one. Are you willing to make the necessary accommodations to welcome someone into your life? You know, have you processed your emotions from your previous relationship relationships? And three, are you, you know, do you love yourself? Are you in a healthy emotional state? You know, do you love yourself? And if you haven't learned how to find yourself and love yourself, then it would probably be a good idea for you to do that first before going into a marriage half cocked, you know, hoping that somebody else love you, hoping somebody else see your value, hoping that somebody else see your worth, hoping that somebody else, you know, has the gall, has the audacity to love you with all of, you know, your flaws and your mistakes when you don't love you with all of your flaws and your mistakes. And then of course, you know, the prerequisites for the other person is, does that person respect your boundaries? Does that person respect your values? Or does the person agree with you during a premarital sitting in hopes that you just hurry up and expedite the process and then try to change you once you get married? That's not love. Love is respecting me for who I am and and my values and the things that are important to me. That is pure, genuine love. Not that I'm going to say, yeah, you know, and in the back of my mind, I know not, that's going to be a problem for me. Like, I was conducting a sit-down between a brother and a sister last week. We were in Cincinnati, and we were having singles, a mixer, you know, where the singles would kind of have sit-downs with each yeah. other for a certain amount of, for, you know, a specified time. And then, you know, monitored, and then they would move on to nothing. More like speed dating, mm-hmm. but, you know, in a Muslim halal environment. So... One, this particular brother, this particular sister, she had on like the turban. She had her hijab wrapped up like a turban. And the brother sat down at the table with her. And I said, you know, let's just skip to the chase. I'm, I'm not one for wasting a whole bunch of time. I said, list three things, sister, that are important to you. And I want the brother to list three things that are important to him. And then you tell me out of the thing, three things that she mentioned as important to you, can you respect those things? If not, then we're wasting our time. So the first thing that she said was, one of the things that are, that are important for me in a marriage is that he respects who I am. He respects me for who I am without trying to change me. I said, brother, do you understand that? I said, can you respect that? He said, yes. I said, do you see the way her hijab is, is, is wrapped up right there? He said, yeah. I said, are you okay with that? Because in the back of your mind, if you say, ah, she can wear that for right now, but once we get married, no, nah, you got to change that. Hmm. Then don't do it. Because the fact of the matter is that if she wears her hijab like that, she might not change that. That's not that's not gonna change. If you marry a woman and she wore her hijab like a like a turban, then that means that she's a little more liberal as it relates to the way she wears her hijab. You think you're gonna come in and because as men sometimes we're self deluded, we into thinking like she don't, she I'm gonna put her on a sumna, right? Hmm. <laughs> I've heard it a million times. I actually used to be one of those people. You know, you're so, you know, you're so into yourself, right? It's, it's, it's psychotic, honestly, that you think that I am such a good specimen of a Muslim that when I marry this sister, I'm going to put her on the deen. I'm going to change all of these things. The thing about it is that she may be on deen, but having her own experience with the deen. Just because you see her wearing a hijab wrapped up like a turban, doesn't mean that she's not a practicing Muslim. That is the way that she is experiencing Islam. We're all imperfect trying to have a perfect experience with a perfect religion. Islam is perfect. We're not. We're imperfect. We have, we're shattered, flawed from top to bottom. Have so many you know, insecurities, immaturities, so many negative experiences that have contributed to who we are or who we think we are. And then we come in and we embrace Islam, this perfect religion, trying to find our way, trying to navigate our way. All imperfect human beings trying to have a healthy experience with a perfect religion. So therefore, I said to the brother, if you can't handle the way she's wearing her hijab, I said, then don't, don't continue on in this. He said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I don't have a problem with that. I said, okay, I mean, you're just saying that Not for the sake of the sit-down, but that's genuinely how you feel Now that doesn't mean that you can see a, a sister, you know, dressing a certain way or whatever And then you make suggestions as to what you think would be more appropriate According to the religion, and then give her an opportunity, you know, to acquiesce Give her an opportunity to say, you know what? I do find that that is more appropriate I do find that that is actually from the sunnah And I am going to work towards Okay, alhamdulillah, that's a health, healthy interaction But not that I don't like that This, That's not my interpretation of the way a hijab should be worn And you need to change that Then just don't marry her Go marry somebody else that wears a hijab That is according to the way that you like it So, you know, the person coming into your marriage Has to be able to respect your values The things that you consider important And not dismiss them by focusing on the things that, you know uh, they consider important So I, I hate to kind of like drive, But there's there's so much It's a very broad question But I hope that answers the question
0: Definitely, definitely That was great That was great In an era where You know Everything is downplayed You know with social media A lot of my listeners Especially the sisters They always Want to know How they can be empowered In the marriage process A lot of brothers You know They come in They want to lower diary They don't want to pay the diary They don't want to deal With the kills. They want to just do the fly by night marriages, mm-hmm. backdoor marriages, and sisters are really dealing with a, a problem where they want to be respected. They want to feel like they're doing something, and even coming from a marriage. And sometimes brothers, when they have a sister who's coming from the marriage, they treat them like they're less than a human, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, they treat them like they shouldn't get a diary. They treat them, they treat them like, like what are you doing actually, with anything? So. I want you to touch up on that, please, from the listeners, because a lot of sisters are hurting right now because they don't understand why, in, in this world, why brothers are looking at them like, if I'm not a virgin, I'm not able to get anything. Mm, good question. question.
1: Okay. So you, you guys are probably not going to like my response to this. <laughs> um, because my response to this is going to go deeper than the surface. The question is related to why do sisters have to feel like there's some type of charity case when they come into a brother's life mm-hmm. like he's doing basically her favor and then she doesn't have a right to ask for anything. She mm-hmm. should just accept whatever is being handed to her because, as you said, oh, you're not a virgin anyway. So, right. you know, and I, adem, whether there are any too many virgins in our communities left at any point. Right. But at the nonetheless. Um, as it relates to the dowry You know sisters are asking for whatever I, uh, I was just in Cincinnati And one of the sisters just said That $5,000 as a dowry And one of the brothers at the table said $5,000 is too much for a dowry
2: <laughs>
1: And so one of the sisters said $5,000 is not enough for a dowry You know what I mean Because if even if I wanted to make an exit I wanted to get out of this relationship $5,000 is not even enough to get out of the relationship mm. How do do I leave? What do I leave with? Nothing? You married me. You know what I mean? Like, Understand something in Islam. As the men, we are the ones that are marrying the women. They don't marry us, we marry them. You understand? They give their consent. We are the ones that make the proposal. She doesn't make the proposal. The proposal comes from the man. You go to her father, her uncle, her grandfather, and you propose to him, For his daughter his granddaughter's hand in marriage if you are the one that is the pursue you you are the pursuer you're going after this particular woman why should you not feel obligated to give something if you are the one that is pursuing it you the one that wanted to get married you are the one that is pursuing her why do you feel so privileged that i can pursue something and i can get it without giving anything that's a sense of entitlement based upon the environments that we live in as men. We live in a very chauvinistic, misogynistic society where men feel privileged to take from women whatever they want without giving anything in return. That's, that's just what it is. Starting from our president who just grabs women by the crotch. You understand? Like, and, and, and have to take no accountability for it. The fact that we still now have him as a president is living proof of the chauvinistic and misogynistic society that we live in. Because he feels privileged to grab women by the... Yeah, I just grab them by the crotch. Said it publicly. There was no accountability for his comment and he takes no accountability for his actions. That within itself speaks volumes and it trickles down into our social society. So here we are, Muslim men who are pursuing women for our benefit. We're not marrying women for their benefit. Believe it or not, a woman can go years without having a desire for sex, without having you know, a desire to be in a relationship with a man. They can go years without it. I have family members, aunts that have never that haven't been married in 30 years, and have no desire and, and does and is a good, good church-going woman. You understand? Has no desire to be with a man. Her ex-husband cheated on her, left her, and she's been grappling with that ever since. She invested her time and energy into the church, and that's it. She has no desire to be with a man. But men cannot go that long without a woman. You understand? <laughs> So we need them more than they necessarily need us. And as a result of that, you know, I think that we should pay like we weigh, but, you know, yeah. No, no, you're fine.
2: You're oh. Fine.
1: So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's important that, you know, um, and then, of course, let me let me take it a step further. Uh, with African Americans, I think that we feel that African American women are not entitled mm-hmm. to a dowry or not entitled to a high dowry because of how we view them, how we view them in terms of culture. Because if we were going after, and I know brothers with all you know, with all due respect, I know brothers who are married to women who are not African American foreigners, whether Arabs or other than that, and they paid whatever the father asked. Because it was something about this Arab woman or this foreign woman that he was marrying that he saw. Value in this woman that he would be willing to sacrifice, borrow, beg, get it from however he gets it, and pay it to that father. But the African American woman Asked for twenty five hundred dollars, two thousand dollars. We want to give a five hundred, and then I'll pay you as we go along. Man, this is what do you think this is? This ain't Walmart. You just come and put something on layaway and pay as you go. Like what? The, what do you? What do you think this is? This is a woman who has value. And no matter if she asks for $10,000 for a dowry, that doesn't, that doesn't define her worth as a woman. But it does for you as a man because men only spend their money where they feel there's value. Hmm. Go look at it. You want to know what a man considers important? Go look at where he spends his money. You want to see what a man considers important? Go look at where he spends his money. You have men who money is taken out of their account on a monthly basis or bi-weekly basis for their children. And they have a problem with it. Why do you have a 200 get You know $1,200, $1,250 every two weeks. $250 of that is taken directly out of your check for your two children or one child. And you still have an issue with it. 250 and you got an issue with that I mean you know it just If you want to see what a man values look at Where he puts his money at You know and I just think that culturally as African Americans I think that we Don't see worth In black women we don't Mm -hmm. and that Could be because that's the way society Has depicted them we feed Into stereotypes which is one of the things that I talked about in my you know PowerPoint presentation that um, We feed into stereotypes if you, you look right here at my at my slide The first thing that I deal with here Is stereotypes mm. We feed right into it In the Islamic community
0: Absolutely And that's so crazy And that leads me to my next question Which is a hot question With that Why do you feel like African American men are running towards in in, in in drastic numbers And they don't know the first thing on how to manage a polygynous relationship, but they will run with African-American sisters. They don't do that with the foreigners. They'll get a foreigner, and they'll be with her for 20 years. <laughs> 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 and they will have this Desi girl, this Pakistani girl, this Afghani girl, and put her on the highest pedestal. But a sister they'll marry, one over here, two over here, have one on welfare. And this is the time of my father, and also now is so evident in my generation. So my question is, how can African American men practice polygyny correctly and bring that respect back into the family? <sighs> I'm sorry. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, these are awesome questions, man. Great questions. I just wish we had more time to mm-hmm. elaborate. How do we bring honor back to the tradition of polygyny without, you know, belittling women? Um, especially African American women by putting them in precarious situations, putting them in risky situations yes. at some point. Um, you know, just to have you know, our desire to be with multiple women um, I think that the, the starting point for that is that number one the leadership in our Islamic communities has to bring polygyny to the forefront in an honorable way You have many imams, many students of knowledge who are in polygyny, but you would never know that they're in polygyny because they don't talk about it and you would never see them in public with both of their wives. So we don't, there's no honor in the Islamic community for polygyny because we're constantly tucking it away somewhere, hoping that nobody sees it, but everybody wants to practice it. Hmm. We have to bring that to the forefront and, and honor it as part of our deen. That's, that, that's what it was, Allah says in the Qur'an "Thatika That is because those who honor the symbols that symbolize Allah, symbolize Allah's religion, then indeed that is from the piety in the hearts. When we take an aspect of Islam and we honor it, then that is an indication of our piety and our righteousness which is in our hearts. We don't honor polygyny, we practice, look at the way we go after it, look at the way we pursue it, look at the way that we maintain it, we don't honor polygyny, and this is, speaks volumes to Brother Gadith, you know, the article he read, uh, wrote a couple of years ago about why Muslim women... You know, don't respect men enough to even want to go into a polygynous relationship. Because polygyny, number one, is for the, is for the elite. Let me just break this down for you real quick. <laughs> polygyny is for the elite from amongst the men. Polygyny ain't for the regular, you know, Joe of amongst, um, amongst the men. Just because you're a man and you have a male member. Right. You understand? Polygyny in, you know, let's go before Islam. Because it's polygyny predated Islam. Islam just came to put rules and regulations around it. But people were practicing Islam way before the advent of Islam. All right? In African and parts of Africa, polygyny, even to today, and they're not even Muslim, they're Christians. And polygyny is a staple in their communities. However, um, during those times, right, when you go back to polygyny, the type of men that had multiple wives Mm. were the elite. From amongst the men in society, gotcha. we're talking about men of you know that had that male bravado, alpha males. We're talking about tribesmen, the elite from certain tribes, the you know the heads of tribes. You know, we're talking about you know the wealthy, the rich, and even in, for example, in Saudi Arabia, polygyny is not. A ubiquitous practice in Saudi Arabia But amongst the wealthy men Saudi, wealthy Saudi men And religious Saudi men Mm. The elite from society Many of the scholars in Islam Scholars that we we listen to on a regular basis Are in polygyny And women are more likely to go into that Because they have already been conditioned In that society That polygyny is only for a certain caliber of men not for everybody fast forward to the African American community you got every Muhammad Abdullah going into polygyny you ain't got a pot the piss in the window to throw it out of Mm -hmm. and you don't even have the the emotional capacity to manage multiple women in a relationship you could barely handle one Hmm. you understand and you're going into a multiple under the guise of it being my right Just because it's your right does not mean that you are qualified for it. You understand? (laughs) Just like, no, here again, just like paying zakat is an obligation. It's an obligation on every Muslim. It's a pillar from Islam. But you do not qualify to pay zakat until you reach the Nisal. Which is $55, 52 dollars that you have put to the side That you are not using for anything A whole year goes by and then you take 2.5% of that and you pay your zakat If you have anything less than that, you don't even qualify for zakat As a matter of fact, you could actually receive zakat You understand? So just because it's a pillar of Islam Doesn't mean that you actually qualify to pay it Because you do not meet the requisite so the same thing with polygyny, you know, we have, but the thing is here again goes back to the hierarchy, the leadership of our communities, the leadership in the community. We haven't. You guys tell me because some of you were born and raised Muslim. I converted to Islam. I walked into this. Tell me when have you ever heard either a Jumu'ah Khutbah, a three day conference, a workshop lecture by an Imam or student of knowledge about the proper way to practice polygyny. Please tell me, I'll wait. I was born Muslim, never. Never.
3: I'm still waiting for
1: it. Still waiting for it. Never,
3: never, never. Never.
1: Now, in addition to that, how many students of knowledge and imams and preachers and teachers do you know that have multiple wives?
0: Many. Many. Mm -hmm.
1: I know personally, many. Not one of them has ever spoken about. Now, let me do you another one. How many imams, students and knowledge and preachers and teachers do you know that are in polygyny that you have actually seen them out in public in a polygynous lifestyle that has honored polygyny that made people say, wow, a few,
0: only a few. And that was overseas in Africa, wasn't in America.
1: That was in Africa, not even in America. Yeah. I personally have never seen it. Mm-hmm. Out of all the imams that I know, out of all the students and ours that I know that have multiple wives, I have never once seen any of them in public with both of their families, with all of their families not on the Eid or otherwise mm. that made others see polygyny and represent it in an honorable way. Never. Meanwhile, you got every Abdullah, Muhammad, Sharif trying to practice polygyny. You understand? So, you know, it's important that, it's important that, you know, if we are going to practice polygyny, first of all, it has to be honored. It has to be held to a higher standard. Polygyny has now become equivalent to or tantamount to having a side chick. That's what it has become. Real talk. You have a side chick. You have a mistress. Look at the way brothers pursue it. I'm, a, I'm married to my wife. I want to take a second wife. I've never said anything about it to her. Never prepped her for it. Never had any conversation. We've never gone to any lectures because there is no lectures. We've never sat down and listened to a lecture because there is no lectures. But only eat Muhammad, but you're not allowed to listen to him anyway because he's a straight, right? So then what happens is the woman is at a point where she's like, um, you know, no, I don't, I'm not for it. And so you end up and you go out and you do it anyway. Don't tell her anything. You got a whole family somewhere else in a, in a remote corner of the city that your first wife don't even know about. You married her, she's pregnant, carrying your child. How dishonorable is that? Not just to your family, to your wife, to yourself, but to polygyny itself, because everybody's looking at that. That you're doing that under the guise of polygyny. You're doing it. You didn't say, I'm just doing this. This ain't polygyny. Because it's not, if we want to be honest, it's not polygyny. Even when sisters bring me, oh, my husband went and married this sister and I didn't find out about it until I walked into a masjid. Sister, that's not polygyny. I'm not going to validate that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not polygyny. Every marriage that the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi had was done in public. Every single one of them. There is not one marriage the Prophet had that only one or two companions knew about, was some side marriage. Every single marriage the Prophet had, we know about. It was documented, recorded, memorized, details, even down to what the Prophet had on at that time and what he served as a Walima after it was over. Everything detailed. And here today, you have brothers who will marry second wives and say, well, I don't have to tell my first wife. It's not from the Sunnah to tell my, well, guess what, genius? It is from the Sunnah to marry in public. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Not to get married at your man's house. Mm -hmm. Not to get married on the, you know, on the A train. You're going from downtown to uptown. Mm -hmm. By the time you hit 125th Street, you married On FaceTime. On FaceTime, DMs, (laughs) and the rest of it. Tell me that's from the Sunnah. That's not. What do you mean that's not from the sunnah to tell your wife That you're going to marry a whole other woman A whole other family Allah forbid she has children Allah forbid she has an STD Mm -hmm. And then you bring that back home to your first wife And then we say that this is polygyny You gotta be kidding me This is not the religion that I signed up for I'm sorry That's not Islam And so if we're going to honor polygyny If we're going to practice it Then we have to honor it First and foremost And then secondly We have to practice it Based upon And based upon knowledge How do you have All of these brothers Going into polygyny And know absolutely Nothing about How the Prophet Sallallahu Managed his His families We're talking about A man who was married At one particular time To nine women At one time And all of these Marriages was documented Recorded And authentic narrations That we have And on our bookshelves That we don't read Anything about Ask the average brother that is in polygyny, how many books have you read on polygyny from cover to cover? And you will hear, I sat in this lecture. You ain't sitting no lectures about polygyny because ain't nobody doing lectures about polygyny. Don't tell me you sat in a lecture or you heard this person or that person talking about because no one talks about it. So, you know, we have to honor it, number one The way that it's supposed to be honored And number two, with knowledge If we're going to practice it, then let's do it the right way Let's do it based upon And based upon knowledge All the technicalities, that's important Because you're talking about merging two families together Blended families, here we go Here, here again, but this is what I wanted to say Allahu that
0: was, uh, We needed that, I, I needed that You know, because so many times um, Younger guys my age You know, I'm in political and I look at I me, mean, like Hassan, man. When are you gonna take your next wife? He doesn't even have one. Like they wanna <laughs> live vicariously <laughs> through you. you vicariously like, through you. Like, yes. When are you, gonna, when are you gonna get married? So we live in this this facade of of, of this, this 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 this. We live in this place where we don't see reality and we don't we don't want to do things correctly. Because the the premise of polygyny is having a mistress
1: just having another woman that you can have sex with and it's like dude this is a whole family that i am responsible for even if it's just her by herself it's somebody that i am responsible for in front of allah subhanahu wa Mm ta'ala this is not just me saying i want to marry you you and you and you and let's get the nikah and the the dowries and the walis and let's get it over with and i'm just smashing you know for lack of better term Mm -hmm. smashing four women Mm -hmm. that's not what it's about it's not you're talking about a whole human being that you have bought under your authority that you are responsible for in front of Allah. law. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, and
0: a lot of them, they get in not even thinking like they look. They they're going into trying to get as much as they can get out of the system. You know, some some men look at polygyny as a as a, an extension of wealth of their wealth. Mm. So they want to get a sister that has good credit or has a nice bank account or or who's in school or pursuing some type of PhD or so they can make themselves like, look at my other wife she does this look at my other mm. wife she does this so it's not even about them wanting to raise empires and families like it, it was supposed to be no there's no respect on it and that leads me to my last question and I know you've been here for I don't want to you too long um, and this is a very personal question for me because um, I was married for 10 years and then I got a divorce mm. and one of the biggest mistakes I think I didn't take my time it was ego, like, you want a divorce? I'm I'm, ha- I'm Haji Hassan. You know who I am? I'm done. Mm. You know? And so many times we take years to get married but we take seconds to divorce. We don't put the right steps in place when trying to work out a marriage. Now, I would like to ask you, what are the proper steps when a, when a couple are having a disagreement, a problem, and think they're about to jump off the roof and leave. How can we take our times? You know, like in, in Allah put put uh, steps in place for marriage. You have to go see the family, the wakil. kill? You gotta get the diary, it's, it's, it's some steps and procedures. But with divorce, it just seems like I'm done, I want to cool up, or I'm going to talk you and then I'm going to go get another sister. How can we change that? What's some steps we can do to change that?
1: Okay, awesome question. I love these questions. <laughs> okay, so um there is actually a process to divorce in Islam. Mm-hmm. It's not just like um, we don't follow it. Here here again, I just think that um putting the best construction on it and just saying not saying that brothers just disregard the rules and regulations and guidelines of Islam, I just think that we're ignorant. We don't know them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we don't know them. So what is the process in Islam before it gets to divorce? There's one verse in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, you know, if you fear marital discord on the part of your wife, then, you know, to uh, boycott them, فَهْجُرُهُنَّ To boycott them in the home, that doesn't mean pack your stuff and leave, you know. All those, in some instances, if the household is toxic, that might be something that is encouraged until to give you guys some space to kind of reconcile whatever it is you 're going through, but normally the boycott of the woman um, is only in the, only in the home in in the bedroom mud and which is the bed, boycott them in the bed, meaning to refuse. You know, normal intimate relations with your wife until she abandons whatever behavior that has created that. Now, mind you, if there's no normalcy in your intimacy, then she doesn't really care anyway. We don't have sex anyway. When you boycott in my bed, big deal. We don't have sex anyway. Mm-hmm. And when it is, you know, it's not as fantastic as you think it is anyway. Right, so, right. you boycotting the bed doesn't really matter. It, it's not impactful. Unlike when the Prophet Salallahu Alaihi Wasallam boycotted oh, wow. his wives for 30, for twenty nine days. And when he came back, the first house he started with was Aisha's. And when he walked into Aisha's house, she said, I thought you were going to boycott us for 30 days. He said, "I he said, for a month. He said, I did. He said, this month just so happens to be 29 days. And Aisha said, I know because I was counting every single day. You understand? So that means that the relationship, the intimacy between them, him cutting that off was impactful because it was there. It had meaning to it. But when you don't have that type of relationship with your wife, you say, well, I'm leaving. She's like, all right, let me help you pack your bags, dude. <laughs> you leaving, so what? Big deal, you know. I'm already emotionally detached from you anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So establishing that, you know, so Allah says to boycott them. And of course, then there's the verse of, um, of striking them. But we know that the Prophet never struck any of his wives. So although the command or although the allowance is there in the Quran, just as the allowance for for every other thing, Mm -hmm. but not every allowance is something that is encouraged. Mm -hmm. Polygyny is an uh, an allowance, Mm -hmm. but polygyny is not encouraged in Islam. Mm -hmm. There is no encouragement for a man to take multiple wives in Islam. The allowance is there for those who feel that they can meet the requisites and they can do it, but it's not something that is encouraged. So not every allowance, what is called a rukhsa in Arabic, not every allowance is something that is encouraged. Divorce is an allowance, but divorce is not encouraged. Right. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said "Akrahu uh, ma that the most hated thing the most hated thing that Allah made halal is divorce. So although divorce is an allowance, it is not something that is encouraged. So not every allowance is in, uh, encouraged. So while the allowance to, you know, to discipline the wife, you know, to that point, understand who the initial dress, uh, address of the Qur'an was. Who were the initial recipients of the Qur'an? Arabs. And in Arab culture, they beat their women. Even right now to this day, beating physical discipline of women in certain Arab cultures, it is ubiquitous across the board. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rather than remove it completely and have a knee-jerk reaction from them because of something that is being eradicated from their culture, Allah Allowed it, but then put stipulations around it that made it almost impossible. Hmm. The Prophet Salallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that if you're going to, you know, strike a woman, then don't strike her in the face, and don't strike her with something that is so hard that it leaves a mark. You should strike her with something that is as light as a feather. Then what's the sense in striking? If you're going to allow me to do it, but then put all of these restrictions on, it's like, all right, you tell your daughter, all right, you got your license, you can drive the car, but don't drive after four. Don't drive unless you got this. Don't drive unless you got that. Don't drive unless your mother's in the car. Which is like, well. Basically what you're saying is I can't drive
0: Right Right. You
1: understand? So that's exactly the way that You know, why that is left there In the Quran And it creates so much controversy But, I mean, it's really simple And then of course um, You know, Allah says in the Quran That if you fear marital discord or you fear a separation then bring a party from her family party from his family you know arbitrators from her family from his family <speaking in Hebrew> and if they want reconciliation then Allah will grant them reconciliation so you have boycotting them in the home mm-hmm. you have the physical discipline you have um you know bringing arbiters from his family from her family of course, and then you have patience. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have so many different Islamic guidelines before you actually get to divorce. Mm -hmm. And then even after divorce is pronounced, you have three menstrual cycles or three months if the menstrual cycle was irregular or she doesn't have a menstrual cycle at all, um, then you have three months or three menstrual cycles to reconcile that situation So you can see that although divorce is allowed in Islam There are so many requisites that have to be you know, in place Before you actually jump to the divorce We just bypass all of that Either because we're in the heat of the moment Our ego has been challenged And we don't see Islam at that moment Or we're just completely ignorant Or both So I think for many of us as men you know when our we feel like our ego is being challenged the, the thing about it is that we have to uh, respect our our wives individuality in the marriage she is entitled although she is married to you she is entitled to her life her world and her experiences she just chose you to share it with that's what marriage represents it doesn't mean that I'm going. To, my life completely overshadows the life of my wife, and she has to now live vicariously through my successes and my failures, right? And she has absolutely no identity, no life of her own, and she lives completely through me. That's not a. That's not a marriage. Hmm. That's psychological conditioning for a robot. That That's what you want. You want a robot. You want somebody you can program to do what you say do Do what you want them to do and have absolutely no life of their own So I think when we get out we step outside of that Then that allows us to begin to embrace the woman as she is in her space In the islamic community. We have been taught as men that we are the protectors and maintainers of the women So this kind of gives us this superiority this this authority in our wives are like our subordinate, this inferior person that is underneath us that does what I say do when I say do it, and has absolutely nothing, you know, no, no, nothing else going on in their lives except what we dictate to them. And that's not marriage Islamically. I'm sorry, and that has been programmed into many Muslim men in the Islamic community because there is no counter to that. From people who know better People who understand the religion And who take the time out to explain these things So understanding that your wife has You know her own individuality And when she says I'm uncomfortable with something Or something is bothering me in this relationship Then we should hear her out Not say Oh this is Oh you're, you're not, you're not feeling this marriage Then you can go <laughs> and, and you know I was, I was I was a proponent of that I was a proponent of that Oh, you're not feeling because we tend to think that my life with me is a, a, a privilege for you. You understand? <laughs> I'm doing you a favor. So if what I'm providing you, the marital life that I am providing you doesn't work for you, then you can step. You can bounce. And I'll find somebody else who would love to be in your position. So we exploit one person, one sister after another, still never taking a look at ourselves. That's Point two. First is to respect the individuality of the woman And number two, stop thinking that life with you is the end-all be-all of marital life We're all complex beings, man Like we all are difficult to live with No matter how much you believe the opposite We tend to believe, oh, I'm simple, I don't require much Man, please (laughs) You're not requiring much is requiring much You understand? i went in starbucks with sister Naila. she was behind me and i was ordering my coffee and i i'm like i want this i want that i want this you know i want a latte macchiato with no you know two raw sugars whipped cream caramel drizzle make it extra hot use whole milk sister Nayela said brother Shadid, that's not an order that is that is a damn those are ingredients <laughs> she said that's not an order she said poor girl behind the counter man i gotta take your order And and in our minds, we believe that that's simple. That's a simple request. But your simple request to somebody else with all of the issues they got going on might not be as simple as you think it is. Mm -hmm. We are not the easiest people to live with. And so sometimes we got to leave just a little room that when your wife says, like, our relationship is becoming toxic, our relationship is not what it used to be, our relationship, we need to sit down and talk that she has a point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She has been tolerating your your idiosyncrasies. She has been tolerating your nuances for so long. And it just reached a point where now we need to have a discussion. We We need to have a discussion does not mean she is dissatisfied with who you are. It just means that we need to, you know, I need you to hear me out. I need you to be aware of some of the things that you are doing that is infringing on my ability to be happy with you in this space. That's all that means. Doesn't mean I don't, I love you any less. Doesn't mean I don't want to be with you. You don't have to run the whole, well, if you don't want, because that's our way of protecting our ego. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to be with me? Yeah. Then you can bounce. Mm-hmm. Because we don't want to sit down and just listen for a moment what the woman has to say so that we can do some introspection about ourselves. We're just so, you know, this, this, it's narcissistic, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Very narcissistic So you know I think that you know we sometimes We have to leave room that you know the complaints That our spouse has with us That there's some valid points to that And not use Divorce as a way of circumventing You taking a look at yourself I don't want to look at myself So I'll just constantly say well you know If this situation is not working for you then you can bounce And we do that You know to protect ourselves And then we end up forfeiting something That could have been great could have been great Only to protect our egos And then of course If your wife asks for a hula, You don't always have to acquiesce You can say listen I'll give you a month I'll Give you a month If you still want a hula After a month Then I'll grant it Because then that's ample time For you to reconcile your issue For you to look deeply Within yourself exactly, to say exactly. Whether you really want it But what we do is just, Oh you want a khula You're granted <laughs> Here again To protect our ego Right. Because the thought of a woman rejecting us Is something that we cannot tolerate Especially if we are imam or we have some high position in the community Oh we think that we God's gift Allah's gift to every woman Any woman would be in your I could fill your slot tomorrow
4: You understand <laughs>
1: Don't ever get to thinking that you're irreplaceable <laughs> You understand we, That's the mentality that we have as men we tend to think, especially, you know, I'm Shadeed Muhammad. I can have any woman I want. Die. Go. You're not satisfied with the situation. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Also, we don't take a look at ourselves. And all we have to do sometimes is just sit back and hear the person out. As painful as those words are, you do this, you do that. You Sometimes you make me feel like this. Sometimes you make me feel like that. And it's just like, all right. Let me let me go to the grocery store with this list, man. You know what I mean? I got to go take a look at these things. Yeah. And instead, we'll say, no, you're divorced. So, you know, these are some of the things that kind of contribute to these fast, you know, divorce situations, man. And then, you know, Allah forbid, there's children involved. You know, and then the children got to deal. Like, one of the quotes in my book, children should never have to suffer for the the decisions that they had absolutely no choice in the matter, like you as a parent made that decision to divorce you didn 't consider your children you didn 't factor any of them in you just made that choice on your own, but your children have to live with that decision for the rest of their lives, and it 's not fair to them so and and then, on top of that, we need marital qualified marital counselors, marriage counselors, right this could we need qualified marriage counselors and we have them and brothers and sisters have to utilize them stop sending shadid muhammad emails to counsel you i don't counsel anyone i need counseling you understand (laughs) as you know sister naila said to me one time she said you know even doctors need doctors understand Powerful, because I was always apprehensive about going to marriage counseling and things like that. And she was like, Brother Shadi, even doctors need doctors. Okay, you're Shadi Muhammad, don't worry about it. You can keep, nobody's taking that away from you. But in order for you to fix the problems in your marriage, you need somebody outside of you to help you sort through that. That doesn't take anything away from you. You can still, you know, be in your mind, whoever you believe you are. Because we'll do everything in our power to protect the image that we have of ourselves, even if it means forfeiting and sacrificing a good woman or a good relationship. You know, so these are some of the things in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't know. I figured that was the last question, so yeah, yeah, I, the, I can go in, I, I can wanna, swim
0: a little bit. <laughs> so I want to thank you for coming wow, um, on the show. This is going to be monumental. Um, and remember, your book, uh, Blended Families, is available. Families is
1: available. Um, um, PayPal, Amazon. Uh, PayPal. They can go to PayPal Imam Shadid Mohammed at Gmail, or Cash App. Uh, Cash App. Sign Shadid roda R A W D A H, and be sure to uh leave your ad your shipping address so it can be shipped to you. Absolutely, I'm
0: gonna get my copy
1: today before I leave.
4: Oh, my phone just cut off.
0: Definitely, uh, yeah, things are cutting off. I definitely need my blended Family's book, but alhamdulillah, uh, Thank you. I'm um, no, My um, no pleasure. I got this video and um, definitely
1: take my uh, notes. Inshallah, to Alice, uh Send me a, a link where yes. I can post that so Absolutely. everybody else can benefit. Absolutely, from
0: and um, we just want to thank you. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully, this was this is going to be beneficial for everybody that follows. And um, we got to restore the respect back in the in our communities. And you touched on a lot of good things. And um, I guarantee you. A lot of my listeners, a lot of the men be like, oh, you're going to see Shadi Muhammad? Oh man, my wife, all she do is watch him. And I, <laughs> see what I'm saying? So, this can get another perspective of what you do. What and you I do, try to be know. as
1: balanced as possible. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I obviously inclined towards the women because there, there are vulnerable ones in our community. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam swore by Allah. He said, I swear by Allah to retrieve the rights of the two most vulnerable people in our community, orphans and women. Mm they are the two most and i'm saying stepchildren and women these are two of the most vulnerable elements in our communities stepchildren woman goes into a marriage with you know the ex-husband's children those children are vulnerable she's a hopeless romantic trying to develop a relationship with this new man and her children are vulnerable and then, of course, the women are vulnerable because there are no fathers. A lot of our sisters convert to Islam. Their fathers are either deceased, fathers are either non-Muslims, or fathers are either non-existent. And they convert to Islam or those who you know are in Islam, and there are no, there's no male presence. So they are vulnerable. That's the only way that a brother would be able to marry a sister over the phone is that she's vulnerable. And with vulnerability, you know, comes susceptibility. She's susceptible to whatever, you know, situation she puts herself in. So, you know, for women to be, you know, more cautious, you know, in approaching these situations, you know, always lead. Even if you don't have, you know, a brother or a father or wali, never go at a man by yourself. Stop thinking self-deluded into thinking I'm a grown woman. I can handle this. And then before you know it, you grown woman. You send a naked pics of yourself. Before you know it, you in, you're being intimate with the man. And then after he's like, nah, I got what I needed. I'm, I, I don't think marriage going to work out between us. And now all men ain't good. You're tired of Muslim men. But you put yourself in that vulnerable situation. Stop doing that to yourself. <laughs> a brother approaches and you can do the process of elimination. If a brother approaches and he does not ask you for your wali's number or your brother's number or male member of your family's number, then automatically he, you already know what he's about. You automatically do the process of elimination. You ain't got to entertain that. If a brother doesn't say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm interested in you. Um, can I have your father's number or your brother's number or any male member of your family's number? I personally, I'm not talking to you. I have nothing to say to you right now. All I need to know from you is are you married and are you looking for marriage? If you say yes, my next step after that is I need to point me in the direction of the man that is responsible for you. Because I need him to know what I need from you.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't understand that because you emotionally compromise. You're paying attention to my looks. You're paying attention to, you know, my family situation. You, you're you compromised. So you don't hear me when I say... I can't deal with a woman like this, or I'm not going to be able to tolerate. You don't hear that. You just say, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Inshallah, brother. (laughs) Right? And then after we get married, it's like, but I told you at the very beginning that I didn't want to, you didn't hear any of that (laughs) because you already emotionally compromised, but your father, he ain't emotionally compromised. He hears everything I'm saying to you. And when your father conveys to you, my sentiments, you are not going to be emotionally compromised because that's your father. And you're going to hear him clearly Mm -hmm. Don't go into this marriage with this man You know with this nonsense that you used to do at the house How you talk back to me He ain't going to tolerate that You hear him clear But when it's just me and you talking When it's just a man and a woman talking She don't hear anything All she hears is I'm getting married soon (laughs) Let's fast forward through this whole process This is just formality I'm getting married soon and then once you get married, then the you know the person that you really are comes out, and you know the drugs have worn off, the dopamine has worn off, the you know all of the drugs that you know that you're intoxicated with wear off, and now I see you for who you really are. So you know the important thing in that situation, man, for sisters, man, don't don't put yourselves in a situation to become emotionally compromised, and don't entertain a brother who does not ask, does not lead with asking you for the man that is responsible for you that's the honorable way i mean that's one of the telltale signs that this guy you know might be on to something he might be about something he went about it the right way from the very beginning let's go for it what if the
2: what if the like the the
3: sister and her father have a very difficult relationship maybe her father is not like very uh open to like a certain brother's coming you know to inquire about his daughter because i know people who have like a very like the relationship you know with them and their father is very complicated right you know so they feel like they want to screen a brother out before bringing him to you know
1: her father and right. I think that so okay. what about if the relationship between the, the the woman and her father or her male guardian is you know is is strained and he doesn't you know put her values first and you know he goes about the situation the way that he wants to go about it what do you do in that situation if there's another male member of the family that you can get because all you're trying to do is to vet this brother that's all you're doing at this point you haven't made any commitments to anybody you're just vetting him you're just trying to see if he's somebody that you're willing to go to the next phase of this with and you know if you can't get your father to do that because of his own you know his own situation then try to find another male member maybe the imam of the masjid and sometimes it might just help to send Shadi Muhammad an email do you know this particular brother and i tell you you're wasting your time i know him don't worry about it you're wasting your time reach out to some of the imams send imams arrive send somebody an imam somebody in some community knows who he is and if nobody knows who he is then that should be a telltale sign for you don't do it okay. you should not marry somebody who you do not know and nobody in the community knows who he is and you have tons of brothers who slip into the community like that. New converts, new shahadas, old shahadas who ain't been around, but yet he's ready to get married. So he comes back into the masjid and you ask the brother, you know, well, what community do you attend? Well, I just kind of float around. I go to different communities. Okay. So, you know, do you know any of the imams? Do you have a relationship with any of you know students of knowledge? Anybody know you? Nah, I don't really rock out with them like that. You're like, okay, cool. You already know what you're dealing with. And, and because they know imams or students and of That also doesn't guarantee that he ain't going to burn you You know what I mean Because sometimes we endorse people And we don't really know who they are We say oh yeah the brother's a good brother mm. And that's only based upon a very shallow Interaction with him in the masjid He gave good salams He gave good salams <laughs> well, I watched him while he was praying And I saw he went into the record his back Was straight just like the prophet <laughs> So now he's a good brother And then we endorse people based upon that. I don't endorse nobody. Mm -hmm. I tell you what I know about the person. Allow you to come to your own conclusion. I don't endorse anybody because you don't know who people are. You don't. Mm -hmm. Umar heard a man saying that, oh, such and such is trustworthy. And Umar asked him, did you ever travel with the man? He said, no. He said, have you ever done business with the man? He said, no. He said, have you ever lived with the man? He said, no. He said, then perhaps you are only praising him because you saw him making rukur and Sujood in the masjid. Meaning, not everybody you see in a masjid that prays is trustworthy. Not everybody is trustworthy. We can't use that as a standard anymore. It wasn't a standard even during the time of the, the Khulafat al Rashidin. Anytime after the Prophet they never used that as a standard. But today in the Muslim community, if he comes to the masjid, he's automatically approved. That, when, does that be, when did that become a standard? Oh, the brother comes to the masjid all the time. So that he's that qualifies him to be a good husband, a, a potential? Come on, man, like that, that's such low standards. How about, you know, I see this brother come to the masjid with his mother all the time. He, him and his mom walk to the masjid all the time. How about I saw this brother walking with his mom and he was carrying all the bags while, you know, he was talking to his mom while he was walking. I just happened to be walking behind him. Th- these are in telltale signs that he has a great relationship with his mom. And that perhaps, because of that great relationship with his mom, maybe he'll be a great husband to his wife. I mean, we we have to just kind of stop being so shallow with the standards that we create for who's a good brother and who's a good sister. Okay, okay.
4: i just going to go back to what you talking about for the I was just saying about elite.
1: No, in previous societies, everybody didn't get married. Everybody was not into polygyny.
4: Okay, but only now, but now I'm saying, like now, Mm-hmm. it's polygyny for certain people of that stature, like to say, well, is you know, because Allah says, if you fear that you're going to be unjust, right? Right. In the south, if you don't be unfair, stay with one. Right. So obviously, it's not for everybody. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to ask, like, in this, in this time, what do you, is, it, is it really for the alpha male? Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it like that? Because when you said that, I'm saying you all think we alpha males are new. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you mean. Really, that's a so was, Right. I just decided to say that he's mm-hmm. an alpha male because, no disrespect, I'm just outspoken. I mean, Hallelujah. Right? No,
1: I got it. I got it.
4: you got it. Know, sisters know I like, hear you what you said, I'm going home and see you you ain't ready getting ready for our next wife. You understand? But who are you to say that? Where, where, on the flip side, him bringing in our next wife might be might be a better situation overall.
1: For right? his situation.
4: But you understand what I'm saying? Because she's hiding behind her jealousy and using that as an excuse. Because we know women are jealous. You understand? They're like, they're like ownership. Very broad statement. Let's go. Right. It the woman, woman to step up their game also. Mm. 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 Okay. Okay. Because, well, okay, we right go yeah. okay. going there. we going right. there. we going there. We're there. we going
0: then he treated good oh, I hope y'all listening
1: Yeah.
4: yeah. He never got that. So, my thing is so he
1: said Perhaps marrying a second wife Is a good situation for him Because he might have been married to a sister for 20 years She ain't never gave him breakfast yeah, yeah, in bed right? And then he marries a second wife yeah. And she bringing him breakfast, breakfast in, in bed Competition So you know Okay. So, let me let me speak to let I'm going to give you guys an opportunity. Let me speak to the point that we all think we alpha males. Uh the scholars they have a saying layla wa layla la that everybody claims that they have a relationship with Layla, but Layla does not agree with all of their accusations. Meaning, a person can believe that they're one thing. The reality of the situation is that they're it's possible that they're not and every man doesn't necessarily see himself as an alpha male alpha men have you know they are known by certain qualities and characteristics and women are usually attracted to alpha males which is why those are the men that usually have multiple wives because they give off a certain energy that women are just naturally drawn to right your M'Bakus, if you've seen uh, Black Panther, right? Alpha male, he come in, you know, from you know the Jabari tribe, you know, what I mean? <laughs> you know those type of guys. That you know, that's because that's what they were trying to capture in that movie. They were trying to capture the black man, you know, just alpha male bravado, and women are usually drawn to those type of guys, and so. Polygyny is usually natural for them. It's not something that they have to sit down and figure out. I need No, they know from the very beginning, I ain't gonna exist in this world with just one woman. I have to have multiple women. That's just their nature, you understand? It's not something that they have to sit down and think about. So, for a man to sit down, you know, and then going to the other point of, you know, women being able to go home and use what I said to say, well, you're not ready, well, who knows you better than your wife? Mm. Who knows you better than anybody? And your wifes why is it wrong if your wife says to you, Babe, I don't think that you can handle yourself in polygyny. Why is that so wrong? The wife of the Prophet sallam, their wives gave him advice on multiple occasions. Because they knew him better than he You know the the woman is in your space Sometimes she knows you better than you know yourself And she might tell you Not because she doesn't want to be a polygyny But because she don't want you to hurt yourself In polygyny and say babe I don't think That's a good look for you I don't think it's a good look for us And she could bring you examples for that You know what I mean like sex with us is mundane You know like you're I'm not most of the time when we are intimate I'm not satisfied and then you go and you bring another woman into this situation. You are taking energy that you could be investing in creating a better sex life between us and you are giving it to someone else. For a woman, she feels slighted. She's like, "Well, dang. Well, if you have the energy to entertain another woman sexually, why are you not giving that to me?" So, uh, then of course, finances. It's just like, "Okay, we're barely making ends meet." You understand? We're barely paying our bills. You know, the woman is paying most of the bills most of the time You're struggling, you're late on this bill, late on that bill And the woman says to you, going into polygyny right now is not a good look for us Financially, we are going to crumble If that woman doesn't come in and willing to contribute As he said, bring, you know, building kingdoms You have non-Muslims, there's a group on, in, on, on Facebook These are non-Muslims who practice polygyny Non-Muslims And but, What's the name of the group? My wife introduced me to the group These are non-Muslims All around America Who are practicing polygyny mm. African Americans But they're doing it to build foundations They're building kingdoms When you listen to their conversations Their comments You know he's like You know the, the first wife is like Okay if my husband marries another woman What is she bringing to the table yeah. In terms of finances How are we going to build this empire For them, it's more money and children and things like that, which is part of why we marry into polygyny. Nothing wrong with that. The Prophet said a woman is married for four reasons. One of those four is for her wealth. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. When the Prophet married Khadija, he didn't have anything, she was his employer. Mm -hmm. She had the money. She freed most of the slaves that were the first believers in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi He found out somebody believed in them, they were a slave, Khadija would give him the money, he would go and purchase their freedom. You understand? Nothing wrong with that. But you know, we look at that as something, you know, you know, I'm gonna marry this sister because nothing wrong with that. But state to her up front. But that's what you're going in this for not that you're using her or objectifying her So if a woman decides to say to her husband, I don't think that you're ready for polygyny I don't think that that's necessarily a slight it might be good advice. It might be sound advice Now she's doing it to be spiteful Then I mean it ain't gonna change anything because you're still a man and you're still gonna do what you want to do anyway It's just her opinion. You could say that's your opinion. Not my reality You think I'm not ready for polygyny and for some men polygyny does mature them Polygyny does make them more mature for some men If they feel that going into polygyny to get something out of another woman that they are not getting out of their current woman I don't think that that's a fair reason to go into polygyny because if you are not Receiving something that you require in your marriage from your first wife, then you need to have a conversation I am not happy with the way that our relationship is going these are the things that i require in a relationship and i am not getting them from you maybe she don't you know maybe you ain't going to get 100 you get 70% 70 30 is fair you know what i mean like some people got 80% but they go after the other 20 looking for another wife and you end up losing both you end up with zero how about that you getting 80% she ain't never cheated on you she's loyal to you she's had your children Right, she's tolerated your, you know, idiosyncrasies. She's tolerated your nuances, Mm -hmm. tolerated, you know, your mom and the other side of your family. Leaving
0: socks on the floor. You know what (laughs) I mean? She's
1: tolerated everything. So you're getting eighty percent. Maybe she ain't bringing you breakfast in bed. Maybe you know she doesn't know how to do this or that sexually that you require because we expose ourselves to pornography and other things, and then we turn to our wives and we want them to do what we see porn stars doing. Hello, she's a porn star. You understand? She's a star. She's done many pornographic films to get to do the things that she's doing. And then you turn around and look into your wife. Oh, why you don't be doing this? Because I'm not a porn star. The heck? What do you mean? Why I don't do that? That's not my profession. That's not my profession. I'm a wife. You understand? I'm a working mother. You understand what I'm saying? Like you know, we, we have to be realistic with that. You know, I'm just using that as an example, but that's real talk. You have brothers who watch porn and then turn to their wives and are dissatisfied and displeased with the performance, sexual performance of their wives because you are looking at a fantasy and then you are upset when your fantasy is not predict, projected in your reality. You understand? We can't live a fantasy world. We can't live in a fantasy world and then get frustrated when our reality doesn't look like our fantasy. That, the two are not the same your wife, if your wife can do what the porn star does, then you need to look at your wife's side eye it's like why do you know how to do that? <laughs> why do you know how to do that? you understand what i'm saying like that, that, she's a she 's a mother she 's a wife she 's a Muslim more importantly you know what i mean- god conscious she functions on a different frequency, yeah, you know, and we have to be you know realistic about that so if a woman suggests to her husband that you know she doesn't think that he's ready, I don't think that he should take that as, but that should be, okay, so you said I'm not ready. So does that mean that there will come a time where I wouldn't be ready? That's another conversation. Let's have that conversation. So what is it that you know I need to have on the table with you in order for me to introduce polygyny and we have a healthy conversation about it? Well, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Okay, cool. Give me a list, itemize it for me, and I'ma work towards making that happen. And I'ma prove to you that polygyny we can we can do this. Right. That's a conversation. It just opens the door for a conversation. Some women don't even want to talk about it. Period. Nope. Don't bring it up in my house. I don't even. Want. So if a woman is willing to have a conversation with you and has some give and take with that, then take it. Mm-hmm take that you know what i mean because going into polygyny is not something to some women it takes them years to actually acquiesce and say all right cool and they're never going to be completely cool with it Mm-mm. that whole idea of you know i'm married to my first wife and she's going to go and find me a second wife or whatever the case may be let me tell you personal experiences those situations never last yep unless you live in philly I'm just being real. I'm just being honest. No pun intended. (laughs) Philadelphia functions differently than other places. So we hear brothers stories of brothers who, you know, his wives are cool or whatever, and they live in Philadelphia. That's a different environment. Oh, yeah. New York City does not function like that. You understand? totally different environment. Do not use Philadelphia as a standard because what goes on in Philadelphia is for Philadelphians. Not for New Yorkers. Not even for Jerseyans. People from Jersey, we don't function like that either. It's a totally different environment. So those whole, those, and those are exceptions to the rule. Those are not the rule. Those are random situations, isolated situations where a woman is cool with her co-wife, and, but that that is not even a reality with the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. And this applies as because when a man
4: is wealthy, things
0: Can I ask you a question? Whoa, that's interesting. So I have, a, I have a question from one of my listeners. Uh, we had a discussion about men who are wealthy. Um, do you believe that men who are wealthy they don't have to go through all of these steps like regular men, like men who might uh, chasing a goal or? To, we call it the bag, chasing, chasing the bag. Chasing the bag. So if you have money, or if you are Shadeed Muhammad, I'm going to... No, you. I Sorry. got...
1: No, don't use me. <laughs> so... <laughs> I got tons of problems. But you have clout. And women is all of them. <laughs> but you have, you have no
0: right. People know your name. You walk in the room. They see you. You are a star. If you have that, the rules might be a little different from you than my brother over here, because the sister might ask him, you as example, brother, yeah. might ask him for... As brothers, we'll say arm in a leg, and might we'll say, "Hey, you could just have it for free." So, how does a brother like him? How does how does he deal with that? How do how do brothers in the community deal with that? And that, that's that's real talk. That happens. That is real.
1: <laughs> brothers who have, especially students of knowledge and daddies and imams, they get a pass on the high dowries and the. But also on the flip side of that, it comes with certain expectations because they see you as the good brother you know the religious righteous brother you wear your thobe and your beard and you're giving lectures so there's an expectation many times unrealistically that when you come into their marriage you come into their lives you're somehow going to make their lives so much more perfect and you're not going to have the normal problems that normal couples have Mm. and the first thing they'll say is well you're a student of knowledge how are you a student of knowledge and we you know it's like because i'm human But they don't see that. All they see is, you're student of knowledge, you're a dying, and they will be willing to marry into situations that on a normal basis, she wouldn't marry. Brother has two wives, he's struggling, you know, making men, ends meet, and he has to sit down with a sister, and she will readily marry into that situation, knowing dad well. If it was somebody else, she wouldn't. That's true. So there is a double standard when it comes to people in positions of power and authority and things like that. Yes, those things do happen. And brothers who have money as well. Mm -hmm. Sisters will be willing to marry into a situation. In a normal instance, she ain't checking for nobody in polygyny. But let a brother come along and, you know, one of his wives drive a Mercedes. Let the other one live in a nice home. And he's like, you know, I'm looking, I'm checking for a third wife. It's like, okay, here's my Wally number. You all game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's all good because... There's a certain level of comfort and security That you believe you're going to get from And the same thing with a Adai and an Imam There's a certain level of comfort We are safe Women don't marry people in my position Because they actually want to be with me They actually don't even know who I am Mm. I represent safe He's not going to hurt me He's not going to take advantage of me Because he fears Allah In their minds He represents what is safe And it's an exploitation of people like me Because it's like I don't necessarily represent safe, you know what I mean? I'm trying to protect myself from you, you understand? I'm trying to make sure that I'm safe from you. But they don't see that. All they see is you represent safe, you fear a law, you're a student of knowledge, you're not going to hurt me like the last brother did. You're not going to cheat on me like the last brother did. So it's it's in reality, it's an exploitation. So although, yeah, they will give you a pass and marry you for less than they would marry someone else... But then that comes with another price tag. That comes with the price tag of unrealistic expectations and exploitation. Cause in a normal if you was a normal wasn't Shadi Muhammad, she would be like, nah, he cute, but I ain't going in that situation. You understand? But because he's an imam or a student of knowledge and it looks like he's doing okay for himself in that in that arena, I'll take a chance with that. Mm-hmm. And that is exploitation because you don't want me for me. You want me because of all of the Other things that surround me Is that a bad
0: thing? For me it is Problem. Some men might be cool with that No I'm saying from the sister's point Like, we, we spoke about sisters wanting the protector Sisters wanting the protector A sister wanting that alpha male So if they're chasing that The elite man Is that bad? It's, it's only
1: bad If she doesn't Clarify If she's not transparent about that From the beginning mm-hmm. When you are, because I might be going into this situation because I'm really looking for love, Mm
0: -hmm. but you're
1: just really looking for financial security. Mm -hmm. So now I'm coming in with one set of expectations. You are coming in with another set of expectations. Neither one of us have talked about it. Neither one of us has been transparent about it. Mm -hmm. And then when we're not receiving what we came into this for, Mm -hmm. now it's frustration and resentment. It's almost like, and I actually there's a chapter in here, in this book, called Unrealistic, well not here, but in, in my PowerPoint presentation, Unrealistic Expectations. Alright, and that is, we kind of bypass that, actually it is in here. There's a narration of uh, one of the Sahaba, Jabir ibn Abdullah, the prophet asked him, did you get married? He said, yes. The prophet asked him, did you marry a matron or did you marry a virgin? He said, I married a matron. And the prophet asked him, why? Why didn't you just marry a virgin? He said, because my father died and left behind nine sisters. I have nine sisters and I didn't want to marry a young virgin who was immature, you know, and wouldn't been able to help me with them. So he led with what he needed from her. He, he consciously selected a matron because he needed help raising his siblings. So if you are transparent from the beginning about why you are in this. Brother, I'm struggling, you know, financially, and I'm not going to lie to you. Although I find you attractive, although I find your dean, you know, you know, solid, right. I do need financial security.
0: Right.
1: And she should lead with that from the door so that she is very clear and upfront with him about what she expects from him. Because he might marry her and although he's financially stable, he might be thinking she's good. So he's not spending on her. And she's getting frustrated as the day goes by Because she's wondering Why is he not spending on me Because he has it So they're having two different experiences Mm -hmm. In the same marriage And it leads to frustration Which leads to resentment Which eventually begins to chip away At the cohesion of the marriage So it's a problem only when you don't state it up front What you're looking for from this person What you are expecting from this person But when you go in and you know she's pursuing financial security he's pursuing love and she's not getting financial security because you know therefore she's not giving love and so therefore he's not receiving love so he's not giving financial security then the marriage goes haywire you see how that that circle works she goes in looking for financial security and she's only going to give the love she's only going to be more lovable once she's receiving what she needs Exactly. because that's what t- that's what ticks her boxes that's what makes her you know function in the marriage mm-hmm. he's not giving money because he doesn't feel love from her so each one of them is tugging on their end trying to you know maintain their position meanwhile they're getting frustrated as the days go by because no one was transparent about what they required in that situation hmm. oh. oh the sisters you wanted to comment to his
4: uh, you can, you can, uh, okay I have a question yeah um, what if
3: um, a sister is not able to pay back the dowry after she requests the khula? Well, what, what what happens
1: with that? If a sister is not able to pay back the dowry and she requests the khula, the the validity of the khula is not contingent on returning the dowry. Meaning, once he says you're granted the khula, the khula is granted, and the dowry that she has to repay to him is becomes a debt, like any other debt. You owe him, and you gotta pay that. Yeah. You can pay it in this life, or you can pay it in the hereafter. It's up to you. Um, but the khula still stands. Because the validity of the khula, why is the khula granted Islamically? Because of an urgency. Which is why the idda period of the khula is so short. It's only a month, one menstrual cycle. Because of the urgency to separate these two. It's not like the the divorce, the iddah period of the divorce, which is a long stretch of time. We're talking about three months, ninety days before you guys can finalize your separation. Whereas with a khula it's immediate. The, number one, the separation is rich, retroactive. The moment he says you are granted the khula, you guys have to separate your homes immediately. There is no time to, you know, give me a week or two and let me move my stuff out. The moment he grants the khula, it has to happen. Based upon the hadith where the woman came to the Prophet and said, I asked my husband for a khula. The Prophet sallallahu said, well, perform your period in the house of this particular blind man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't even do your period in his home. The, the separation is immediate Because of the urgency of the situation So a man cannot say um, The khula is not valid Because you didn't give me my dowry back Because it would defeat the whole purpose Of the urgency of the khula The khula is was instituted Because it is an immediate separation Or annulment of the marriage And it is not contingent on the person giving the woman giving back her dowry. And and I personally don't even know why a man would ask for the dowry back unless it's just being petty.
0: And they and
1: And they king petty all day long. I want my dowry back, you know. But brothers need to understand that you know. And this is why when the sister said, "I'm asking for five thousand for a dowry because that's my exit." If I have to get out of this situation What do I do And in many instances Brothers want the sister to give up her home Give up her apartment and move in with him That's a vulnerability On top of children she's bringing with her Which is another vulnerability They are the most vulnerable of our community And then to ask for 5000 for a dowry We consider that as being too much Excessive What does she do when you At any point you decide She has no security What does she do when you decide one day I don't want to be married to you no more? You're divorced. Pack your stuff. You got to go. Or I'm packing my stuff and I'm leaving. What security does she have? None. Absolutely. So for a woman to ask for five thousand or ten thousand for a dowry, perhaps that's her security. And if a man is willing to pay that, then perhaps he would be willing to stay. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you ain't pay nothing for a dowry, then you will leave the situation with the quickness.
3: What if they never consummated, consummated the situation?
1: If they never consummated the marriage, then she gets half of what he promised her. And that's based upon the ayah in the Quran. Okay. Uh, if he doesn't consummate the marriage with her, then he gets she gets half of what he promised her. So if he promised her 5000 and they went through with the marriage contract, but he never consummated it and divorced her before that, she gets half of what he promised her. And that's based upon the ayah in the
2: Quran. Let him sit down. Wild.
1: Sisters that do dowry
2: hopping—is
1: that a thing in New York?
2: <laughs>
0: oh,
1: hold on, hold on. let,
0: let, let, let him, him talk. Say, let it. Him talk. So, let say him talk. it again.
1: I don't know. You I have never heard about that. That's new for me. So <laughs> I, I've so never he, heard that.
0: He, he's asking about sisters who are going from brother to brother, <laughs> getting high diaries, and then divorcing them quickly, going to another brother getting high diaries, right? Cooler queens. And they call them cooler cooler the queens. Cool, queens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Are you serious? That's a thing here? <laughs>
3: I don't it's like know
0: if it, I, I don't know if it's a Philly thing. I don't know if it's
1: a. I've never heard that know. in Philly. I I I spent a lot of time in Philly. I've never, well, the thing is with brothers from Philly, they ain't giving five thousand for a dollar anyway. know. that ain't happening. I don't
0: know. I Um, but um, I have a, a question. One more question. I know you be pushing it, but um. And this is a question that I why do you think a lot of brothers tell their wives not to listen to your lectures? <laughs> I gotta go there. I'm sorry. On this show we gotta keep it real. <laughs> and I leave, I left that dagger for the end. Why do before I knew your work, I heard about people telling, yo, son, you got multiple wives. Don't let them listen to Shadeed Muhammad. And it made me Yeah, yeah. And it made me want to find out, what you this I followed your periscopes and I was like, Ah, he's spitting truth. And you had, you know, and it related to me and my wife uh, always told me that, you know, like, brothers would come in and say, don't listen, to, tell their wives, well, literally don't listen. So I wanna know, like, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal with, I don't know, is that a new thing you ever heard that you ever heard? Oh, Of course oh, I okay, I've been, been hearing life. it for the past 10 years. <laughs> right, yeah, right. absolutely. So how, how do you deal with that? Because I don't see mm-hmm. Mufti going through that. I don't see a lot of the other mm-hmm. Ar- the, um, um, Arab or Pakistani or even leaders of African descent. They don't really go through that. Do you think it's like an African-American thing that you're going through? Or do you think it's uh, the not knowing like what do you think it comes from? I mean, it's very hard
1: to answer that question without being pretentious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't. I
0: got to have
1: an off camera conversation. I I can say what I believe it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I leave you guys to be the judge. I mean, because in everybody's mind, I'm pretty sure that they've heard people say that. Don't listen to him, don't take from him, or whatever. And the way that that is conveyed to you, you can kind of see from that person. Why? You know I mean? You can draw your own conclusions from why. I think, you know, you guys are all intelligent. Mm-hmm. And you, you can always, you know, tell what what is behind that. I, I think, you know, from a... I'll deal with it from a professional standpoint and then from a personal standpoint. Okay. Professionally, as an imam or as a da'i or as a student and all as someone involved in Islamic outreach, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I get inside your home. Mm. And I challenge... People to look at themselves in their per- more personal relationships. <clears throat> A lot of those guys, they only focus on your relationship with Allah. That's it. Tawheed, you know, minhaj, and your relationship with scholars, and who you should listen to. And it was very shallow, very surface, very superficial. I on the other hand I go deeper than the surface I say you know You need to take a look At yourself Mm -hmm. You need to take a look At your spouse You need to take a look At how you're raising your kids And those are things That we don't We tend to like We don't want to hear It's intrusive Yeah I'm intruding I'm in your home You know And I'm in a place That people Usually men Consider sacred and that no other man has a right to tell me oh, how man. i deal with my wife and then some of you sisters you make my life you make my life a little more difficult <laughs> because you go back to your husband after being inspired by a lecture and then you say well brother shadid said that's a no no and i mean i mean even for me <laughs> My wife could not come to me and say, Tar hair, why? Dr. Tar hair, why Wyatt said this. I'm like, I wouldn't give a damn what he said. This is my house. You understand? Know That's the normal reaction that you're going to get from any man. That's not the way that you convey information to a man. When Salman al Fadisi went to go visit Abu Dardat, and his wife, Um Dardat, came to the door dressed in raggedy clothing. And Abu Darder, uh, Salman asked Umm Dardat, Why are you dressed like this? She said because your brother Abu Darada has no concern for this world She didn't say he's neglecting me He doesn't show me any attention You know because you're talking to another man mm-hmm. About your husband You understand mm-hmm. there has to be preservation of your husband's honor
0: mm-hmm.
1: Even if you let I me mean, take it a step further If you remember the hadith of Aisha where uh, the prophet said to her I know when you're angry with me and I know when you're pleased with me mm-hmm. And Aisha was shocked she said how? He said when you're angry with me you say I swear by the Lord of Abraham of Ibrahim and when you're pleased with me you say I swear by the Lord of Muhammad in your conversations Notice who Aisha chose amongst the all of the prophets to swear by Allah by mm-hmm. So it didn't offend the Prophet sallallahu alaihi manhood she swore by not by Moses not by Isa. Mm-hmm. Not by, you know, Ismail. Mm-hmm. She said, I swear by the Lord of Ibrahim. Why did she choose Ibrahim out of all of the other prophets? Because he was the father of all the prophets. Mm-hmm. You understand? His nickname amongst the prophets was Abu al-Ambiyah. The father of all the prophets. So therefore, there was a father-son type of relationship between Prophet Ibrahim and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Wasallam, Mind you, he's the only prophet that we mention in our salat. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama ala Ibrahim. Only other prophet outside of Muhammad that we mention in our prayer. He's the only prophet that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he took as a khalil, as an intimate friend. So by Aisha saying I swear by the lord of Ibrahim, she was protecting the ego of her husband. So he although she's in her feelings about him And as she refuses to mention his name, she opted for a prophet's name that he still wouldn't be offended by. So women have to be careful in how you bring information to another man. uh, You bring information to your husband that was conveyed by another man. You don't even have to say Shadi Muhammad said. You can just quote the Dalil that I gave. Just say I was listening to a lecture and the hadith that was quoted was this hadith here. Or you don't even have to say you were listening to a lecture. You can let your husband believe you actually read it for yourself. You know, I was reading this hadith and this was the, the narration. And just give it to him raw like that without attaching another man to it. Because once you mention another man's name, you're going to evoke that ego. That's just natural as a man. And it doesn't mean if it's a man that I respect the Imam Siraj. That's my Imam. My wife is from this community. But if my wife came to me and said, Well, you know, and she's correcting me, admonishing me, or reprimanding me, and she says, Well, she leaves with, Well, Imam Siraj said, I'm just like, Right then and there, I've already put up a wall because now in a heated conversation, you mention another man to me. We are men, we have egos. And don't evoke that ego. If you want your husband to be receptive to what you're saying, don't evoke the ego. That's the only way we're gonna hear you. We're not gonna put up, we're, we're gonna, our guard is gonna be down and we're gonna be receptive to what you're saying. So I think a lot of times, sisters, and I think they do that purposely because they know how their husbands feel about me. Especially if there's some insecurity there that's on a personal level, Mm -hmm. but from a professional standpoint I think that women use that because I throw that out there and he won't have nothing to say once I say the brother's name And in some instances, I think women make their husbands insecure,
2: Mm. you
1: know, I mean, how am I supposed to walk away? How am I as a man supposed to walk away knowing that when I leave the home you turn on a YouTube video with this particular brother Out of all the other speakers out there, this particular brother, and I mean, it could be genuine that you are interested, you are inspired by the information, but don't forget to factor in that men are men, and we look at, you know, what our wives is looking at, another man that our wives is looking at. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, not insecure, but I get in my feelings when my wife say, you know, Idris Alba did that. I'm just like, what? So you in the dark skinned dudes? Like, that's what it is? So then what you marry me for? I'm not even your type. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you start getting in your feelings a little bit. You know what I mean? And we joke about that all the time. But at the same token, you still have to, as a woman, be careful. Go ahead. what you say? It's the way... In the bed, man. It's the way- <laughs> I don't. I don't like to go there. I don't like to go there. I mean, I'm secure in who I am. I, I don't want to come off pretentious or come off arrogant, because that's all. That feeds into the stigma that has already been placed on me. But also, I want. But that light skin privilege or the privilege of you know coming, you know, looking how I look, that definitely plays a factor in it, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. That definitely, and I mean, that has a lot to do with your own per. That's I said, personal insecurities. You know, and if you are insecure as a man, when your wife listens to Shadi Muhammad, then convey that. Say, you know what, babe, you know, I'm I'm like a little in my feelings. And when I say that to my wife, she said, well, you know, you and your feelings about Idris Alba. And I'm just like, eh, you know, a little bit, you know, women are into the dark skin, guys. And my wife is like, she's there to stroke me. He don't got nothing on you, babe. You know, blah blah blah. And she reinforces that. You understand? And that's what we need at that moment. But we can't be vulnerable. We can't say, you know... You know when you, I can't, I can't lie to you, babe. When I see that you listening to dude all the time, I'm a little in my feelings, and give her the opportunity to reaffirm, like, nah, babe, like, please, he ain't even my type. You, the only type I see is you. You understand? And then that reaffirms that that ego fuck. You understand? We need, it. we need it. We need it. But just say, I'm, I'm in my feelings a little bit when you, when I see you watching dude. You know what I mean? Like that makes me a little uncomfortable. Get the knowledge that you need from him, but it still makes me and give her an opportunity
0: to, you know, to reaffirm that. And something I did, so, something I did. My wife, um, she was an avid Imam Suraj listener, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I did was I sat at the feet of Imam Suraj. I put my ego aside, and I learn from your mom's ride and I started to even talk like him when I talked to her and I picked up his swag so I was <laughs> like you know, like, like you have to do Little, little pause. I'm you gonna know, lick the lips. What you do? And she's like, look are you talking like an email And that's how you make it fun. You gotta learn how to use your right. you, use it fun. You know, right, right, and you know, right. like you know, like like she's like, "Oh, he talking like you know, like miles to ride You know. And even when I look at your um, your lectures and I see, you know, I'm like, "Man, okay, okay, say it like that." Oh, but I do say the Quran like that, you know. So we kind of take the ego down amongst the brothers. The hate amongst the brothers and try to learn from one another because we all got something we can learn from last question, and we have to wrap up because they got to get ready for us, inshallah. Hakim, I'm just going on what
2: you had like just now said. I'm like, you know, I when I speak to sisters, I tell them like a person can say something, and if they watch your video, I think it's not necessarily because of their knowledge based. Yeah
1: but when you say that Then it's like alright well they ain't really listening to your knowledge You know what I mean And I'm I'm gonna be honest with you A lot of the sisters A lot of the sisters who do listen to me A lot of the sisters who do listen to me You can see improvements In the way that they carry themselves So it's not just They're infatuated with a look They are actually learning They're actually learning. And I think that, you know, as African-Americans, we have to give our women a little bit more respect to believe that these women, some of whom can have any man they want. They don't have to sit and stare at a screen and lust over a person in front of a TV screen. Like, we got to give them a little bit more credit than that. You know what I mean? Like that, that to say that a woman would sit there and lust over a man on a screen obviously the sensationalization of it does add to that it's it's sensationalized people say like oh i'm used to seeing you on you know periscope or whatever and i'm seeing you in the nostalgia like it's only because of the culture of you know sensationalization that we have created with being on you know i was given pal talk before there was such thing as and nobody ever said oh i heard you on pal talk and now i'm seeing you in person you understand what i'm saying like there was none of that but with the creation of instagram you know, periscoping these you know, it comes with a, a degree of sensationalization that makes the person look bigger than what they really are. No, but no,
2: but this is what I this is what I'm saying. I am not I'm not saying I'm not saying that you don't have knowledge, I'm not saying that some don't do that. But what I just now said, systems actually confirm stuff like that. Him when they say say, like, oh, like, like, 'cause yeah. no, no, no. no, I'm actually like, no. no. yeah. I'm not mm, sure bold enough to actually say this. Go for it. That's, that's what the show is about. I love about. bold. Go for it. So, so, <laughs> I found, so I actually, I heard about you, but I I I heard about you, but I mostly found out about you because a
1: sister was like,
4: excuse my bad, a sister was like, I like Shadi Muhammad, he's my boo. Oh,
2: shoot. <laughs> and the sister, and a, and a, and a, and a sister, and a, and a sister, told, a sister told me, sister be following you around and stuff like that. So the sister who following me around? You no, know, I, I I'm, 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 so that's how I found out about you. So when, so, <coughs> so when I actually heard out about that, and you know, being on social media, a brother can, a brother can yeah, put would up a, it'll be different if sisters talked right, about other brothers, about brothers about with knowledge, but a brother can <laughs> put up something and a sister would obey him all day. You can say the same thing after it, and mm-hmm. they listen to you. So that's not a thing of them taking truth. It's a thing of a personality worship type thing.
3: Mm. Can we respond to that? Please, please. First, first, um, as it relates to nature, men are, they have a nature that is lustful. So they see and then, you know, they pursue. A woman has a nature, has a different nature. We're not lustful. So if a woman is looking at a man and she likes him, you know, she's watching his videos, she likes him. She likes what she hears first. She's getting some type of mm. benefit from that first. And then her like of him follows. Oh, he's easy to look at. He's this, He's that. So that just confirms what they're already hearing. So it, it has a lot to do with nature. So while men are looking at it, they're looking at it from one, you know perspective that,, oh, the, the sisters are listening to him because they like him. when mm. in reality, sisters like him. Because they are listening to him. Mm. So good point, good they're point. Because they're, learning, they're getting benefit. And, 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 and that's a ball that's dropped in, among the men. <laughs> because y'all can, ha- y'all can do it too. But they don't fortify themselves yeah. and become knowledgeable and add value to the lives of the woman. So if she's not receiving value from the average Joe, you know, or the average Muhammad, excuse me. If she's not receiving value from the average Muhammad and she's getting value from a, YouTube, a person on YouTube, and this person has, you know, within three months, she has learned how to live from this person, and she's been married to a brother for 10 years, and he, you know, still trying to teach her, kuhu alahu the meaning of it, then we have a, a bigger problem it's it, mm. so it has a lot to do with nature. Go you ahead. I let the other sisters so there's other sisters and they wanna kinda Okay try. go
0: ahead so let's just give them my opportunity. Go either, ahead. So. I'm just I'm just sorry. Sorry. I'm no, we good. good? No, anybody else? Anybody, anybody
3: else? I'm the, I'm okay, up. go ahead. I
2: do I do I do understand, I, I do understand what the sister's saying, like that's sort of like what game is. Like if a guy has game and he's you know, <laughs> no I'm I'm just, I'm just asking I, I do understand that, but what I'm saying is that that's how that's how I actually was first introduced to you because women saying they like the way you
1: look. So oh women I, or one woman? No, more than one woman.
2: Oh. So if, so, if, so if so if so if so
1: So can if, we can we say that, that is a minority and not necessarily a
2: majority I, I do not I d I d I don't I don't know if it's a minority, I don't know if it's a majority. But what but what what i'm saying is that if person doesn't take that and if you say that appears that a person is not being truthful in what they're of, well the not thing
1: is is that if a sister listens to her husband say something and doesn't necessarily take it from him and then go and listen to me or any other imam and then take it from him and it's like well i was saying the same thing to you why wouldn't you listen to me It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a a conflict as it relates to the communication, not necessarily that your wife doesn't respect you enough to take it from you. But in order for anybody to hear you, they have to be heard. So perhaps you are saying something to your wife and it might be right, according to Islam, but you have you haven't heard her out. So it's a it's a block there. You're talking. She's talking. She's not hearing you because you haven't heard her. So she can go and listen to a lecture and receive it differently from somebody who she's sitting there listening to, because there's a rapport even with her sitting there listening to a lecture. There's a rapport there.
0: And, and another thing that and another thing that, to keep in mind, um, d- delivery is everything. And Shadid Muhammad has something that a lot of brothers need to work on. I say you don't have. He has charisma. And if you look at any of the great speakers, Imam Siraj, Imam Tafiq, Imam Talib, even my father, Imam that when they spoke, they gave it with charisma, and it resonated with the people. Not to indulge the women, but you want the message to be sweet. Even in the Quran, it's sweet. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, the Most Merciful, the message is sweet. So we have to look into that, and we have to get out of you, get out of our egos. And maybe, Shadi should, should Muhammad. maybe need to, like I said, I had to sit at the feet of Mian Siraj, ask him. I went to his office, what do you like to do? He told me he was a painter, he was this, and, and I had to pick up his swag, because my wife liked him a little bit too much. And, and I was jealous, you know? <laughs> and, um, but in all, in, all, in all actuality, we, we have to get, a, and if, and if would you sometimes, what you say, and they don't, they don't listen, and they go to Shadiq Muhammad and he's saying the same thing, it's a blessing for you. It's no stress for you. You're like, look, there
1: it is. The point was validated. Yeah. Whether, <laughs> whether or <laughs> right. not it came from you or not. I mean, sometimes, I, it's, the same thing happens to me. All the time. I, I mean, see. my wife doesn't see me as Shadiq Muhammad. I'm not Shadiq Muhammad in my house. We get into arguments and debates all the time. And she'll go back and research something, something that, and she might even bring it to me from somebody. I know you don't want to hear who said this, but this person said it, and I'm just like, all right, cool. What was the delil? All right, the ayah he mentioned or the hadith that he mentioned. And I'm like, all right, cool. It doesn't have to necessarily come from me as long as she got it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: As long as she got it. Yeah. Imam Shafi said that I wish that everybody had knowledge so nobody would attribute anything to me. Don't say, I told, like, I want, I want everybody. I want knowledge to be at everyone's beck. So you don't have to say, you heard it from me, you got it. You don't have to quote me. Just quote the information that I gave. You know, it's not about, you know, you getting it from me. And I know that could be frustrating as a man that you tell your wife something and she just totally dismisses it. And then she goes in here. But then for you as a man, you're like, well, I told you, you know, what I mean, like that's one of those moments. And you're just happy that she got it, whether she got it from you or she got it from somebody else It's cool. You guys have been great. We can continue. Yes, we can yes, do this well, all day yeah, long.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. So but I really have coming. to go there. Like. you for No, I this like. was awesome, Muhammad. man. Awesome. Uh, remember, share the video. It is what it is. Episode 20 with Shadi Muhammad. It's been a great day. Uh, we will pick up next week, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Um, please purchase his book. I will put the details in the description. Um, I'm about to get my copy today, and we will have copies of the information. On the blog, inshallah. So, Shadeed, thank you so much. No, my pleasure, man. Uh, Alhamdulillah. Special thanks to my Shataka for allowing this to happen.
1: It is what it is. Salam Alaikum. True, true, Yeah, just. uh, It's uh, Cash App signed Shadeed M. Roda. R A W D A H. The I'm not sure
0: behind, behind the scenes of Shadi Muhammad and Muhammad Hassan. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah.
1: Really Allahu Akbar. Jazakallah khair, man, Al- for conversation, man. I think it was very necessary. Al- I just wish that, you know, we had more concerned brothers, you know, to come out and engage in these conversations yeah. because we can clear up a lot of things, man. Yes. Yeah. A lot of misnomers, a lot of misconceptions, a lot of misunderstandings can be cleared up by a simple conversation.
0: That's it warahmatullahi wabarakatuh
1: What's happening stranger? Allah. welcome back to the States Man, I couldn't see you when I was yeah, over there man. How you, doing? you still over there? I know, I've been back since Oh, you're back? What happened? You know, unless you
2: have your money over there It's hard to get, get your feet up It's, it's rough,
1: People
3: it's rough over there